0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we are discussing something that's a little unique, That we have not discussed before on this show, but something that is definitely not a stranger to either Bruce or I. And so we're talking about church financing or nonprofit financing. This is something that can be used with any nonprofit organization. Most commonly would be probably a church looking for a way to have a financing option that's outside of bank financing and maybe a better place to store cash. And the question comes up, Can churches use infinite banking? So today we are tackling that question with this short episode today. And hopefully you will be able to get questions, your questions answered about this specific topic. So Bruce, good morning and thanks for joining me here.
0: Yeah, good morning. This is a I think this is a very helpful topic. I think it's a it's a it's a mindset topic. You know, people have to think about how different people's mindsets are, how different organizations' mindsets are, so on and so forth. But we'll we'll attempt to unravel this.
1: Awesome. And um, so I would say just kind of at the very beginning here, I think, you know, churches, any nonprofit organization, any um, organization that is running on donations or running on um, charitable giving is in a need for funding. And just like a business, there is a need for financing and funding all of the mission critical things that are on your heart to accomplish in this world. And most of the time, a church or a nonprofit is really having this giant mission that the more financing and funding they have to be able to carry forward their their mission, the more good they can accomplish, the greater impact they can have. And so really, we're talking about that one small sliver or slice of kind of the operations behind... That financing in a, another option that maybe you have not considered up to this point. So, um, Bruce, I know you you actually shared with me yesterday that you've had some experience in talking specifically with churches about this. Can you share a little bit about that as we get started?
0: Yeah. So the you know the idea is that um, it, it's a very simple concept. Um, you know, if you can store money in a more efficient place and get other attributes. Um uh, then, obviously, you should consider it uh what I've found um uh, with working for charitable organizations myself uh, being involved with church uh leaders that um everything has to be done in a collaboration mm-hmm. and and they're also very sensitive about <clears throat> upsetting other people in that organization so um it, a uh, school districts would be another great example of this. Oh, right mm-hmm. So we actually had uh had, a, had approached the school district about using privatized banking for the district and um you know the we'll, we'll we'll touch a little bit on about this of course there has to be insurable interest and you know mm-hmm. so on and so forth uh, uh in order to do this but you know I I remember one of the persons saying that well we can't really do this. And I won't mention the wire name, but there was somebody that with one of the big wire for securities was on the board. And they said, well, we don't want to do that because that particular person gives a lot of his time. And I know he gets a lot of clients from the school district. So, he doesn't do insurance. So, I'm sure he's not going to want to do this because it'll take away from his business. So well, it almost felt like I'm, a
1: conflict of interest.
0: Well, I, <laughs> the whole time I'm thinking, then why is he on the? Why is he really on the board to uh-huh. get, to get um, you know, clients are to serve the community.
1: So that's, that's a, a good the, question. But,
0: but my that's my example of the complexity of all this. There was another not-for-profit in the city of St. Louis called the Covenant House, mm-hmm. and the Covenant House um, actually does a, um, some good work. Uh, with homeless teenagers, and they they had a lot of uh, need for um, capital,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they were just always struggling with finding capital, finding capital, finding capital. And what was interesting, uh, myself and two other people at E three actually gave large sums of money uh, for for them. Um, because we were moved by their mission, and being ex-teachers, two of the three of us were ex-teachers. So mm. homeless teens on the streets were, were uh, you know, near and dear to our hearts. But
1: and Bruce, um, I'm looking that up because I've heard of Covenant House as well, and I think that it might be a larger organization that has
0: uh, yeah, they have, they have different yeah, different in different cities. Yes, mm-hmm. Okay, yes. go ahead. And that's that's part of the part of the story is mm. that each individual you know, city or entity might have theirs, but then there's a larger overreaching one. And so there's no way that they can make even a creative decision at the local level. It has to be discussed at the at the the larger level. Which so if it was this- an
1: organization would be like the corporate level, whereas maybe Correct. a individual target store or an individual um, business location might have corporate headquarters making those kind of decisions for all of the the locations.
0: Absolutely. And so the, the difficulty there was, you know, they liked the local people liked it, but then, then uh, the upper people, a uh, corporate level, if that's what you're going to call it, the leadership level, mm-hmm. uh, they were, they had all these questions and they didn't want to actually sit down and talk to us. They only wanted to talk to the people that were leading the local level. Of course, they couldn't do a good job of explaining so and so forth. So what was interesting is it, it died out, but what it was also interesting is we were, we gave significant, uh, the three of us gave significant money to the organization and we were never contacted again to continue our donation. And, and what happens in these organizations a lot is people get into this, just like I believe a lot of people get into social work, they get into uh, education because it's a passion, it's a calling. But then um, that passion and calling can only take you so far. And the frustrations, the lack of pay, so on and so forth. So there's constant turning, oh, turnover of the, the leadership. Mm-hmm. And it makes it difficult when you're talking about an infinite banking concept, which needs to, you know, uh, every year, uh, or maybe even in this case, you know, every quarter, uh, borrowing against and, and uh, then replenishing, borrowing against and replenishing. And then ultimately, the, the death benefit would go to the, or at least a portion of it would go to the organization.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: so, we were having very difficult times explaining this to what I would call bigger uh, organizations. So, now let's get down to the the church level. So, yeah. what I would call more private, independent churches, <clears throat> and we were successful, and, and this particular pastor of this church had a had a calling and a mission to not only leave as much money to his church so that his legacy would would continue, but he also did it on his wife and his children and so on and so forth. Hmm. But that was because he controlled it himself. And and so what I'm telling the listeners out there, if if this resonates with you and your church, really you should you should, you know, if you if you're just a part of the Lutheran church or the Catholic church and or another denomination that has turnover all the time and relies on a central church, it may be very difficult to explain this or get this across to people. But if you have a more of a local flair, a non-denominational church that people uh, control themselves with a pastor that may have much more um, free thinking, then I really believe this is something that could help them not only with cash flow, but their financing needs. And then ultimately, you know, the payoff at the end where they could set up a foundation and then that foundation actually takes the death benefit in and then they could rinse and repeat the process.
1: You know, Bruce, what's really interesting is I think kind of at the forefront of any discussion, you would have to say, well, what is the problem that is being solved? Or what is the reason why maybe a church or another nonprofit charitable organization would want to use infinite banking? What problem would they be wanting to solve? And I guess the top thing that comes to mind for me is that maybe they want to be in a situation that they're not just relying on donor or giver or congregation um, giving or tithing if it was a church or um, donations if it was a nonprofit. Maybe they also don't just want to be able to or need to rely on bank financing they want another source of capital to be able to pull from. I think another situation or another reason why they might be considering this, we, we discussed yesterday that you said a lot of nonprofits you've seen run very lean and not be very profitable. And now there can be kind of a, a challenge if you're saying, well, I'm not for profit, but I'm trying to be profitable. If you're not holding cash, then you're not necessarily in a situation where you're trying to think about how do I store that cash better? But if you have large reserves and you're trying to store that cash as effectively and efficiently as possible so it can do the most good for you, then infinite banking would be an ideal storage place to think about where can I put that cash so that it's working as hard as possible and giving me the most benefit while it's sitting there waiting to be used. And certainly many organizations are taking in Um, funds and donations, and then deploying that capital as quickly as possible into their um, missions, into their specific projects or their focuses. So there may not be a opportunity to store cash better if you're not storing cash in the first place. But I think storing cash better than creating a legacy, creating that leveraged up death benefit we talk about all the time, you're putting in X amount of dollars in premium, the death benefit is going to be higher than that. So if you're able to, at an organizational level, implement a life insurance policy, whatever dollars you put into the policy are going to significantly be increased when the death benefit does pay out. And if that payout then is used to continue funding the organization, you have such a powerful long-term thinking focus to be able to do something today that's going to really significantly improve your financial standing years into the future. So those are just some of the the concerns or needs or challenges that I would be thinking of that you might want to be overcoming that may have you turning to infinite banking.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, I think the lack of liquidity for most, just like when we talk to people, you know, you have to be a wealth creator first, you know, because a lot of people come to us and say, hey, I'm in debt. I think this is a good way to get myself out of debt because I can actually have this this uh, place to store money and then pay off my debt and then take the money that I was paying towards the debt to pay back my and I'm like no whoa, whoa. whoa. we need to we need to get you out of debt first <laughs> we and the best way to do that is to be a wealth creator create more uh, revenue streams so on and so forth but once you get to that uh, significance stage then then you can actually employ these other techniques and this is where I find that a lot of not-for-profits have a difficult time getting to that significant stage i was just um i think you probably were doing the same thing reading um reading a book and the ford foundation has to give out one million dollars a day so they're at Mm -hmm. significance and the bill and melinda gates Mm -hmm. foundation has to give out three million dollars a day so they're Mm -hmm. at significance so I often wonder if these large foundations are actually taking out significant policies. I know the wealthy do this, um, but are, but are these large, large corporate foundations like the Ford Foundation, uh, which is which was started by the Ford family? But whether they continue that, you know, going forward would be very interesting. So to, to so to deploy that, so on a lower level, more local level, then um you really are looking for your church if they're if they're thriving they can thrive even more because they don't, they're not going to worry about the lack of liquidity for the first couple of years
1: yeah and this is something we i had mentioned yesterday and i know this is almost a completely separate topic but i just wanted to share this as well and i don't know the specific numbers so i'm not going to share it in detail but i do know in my church locally here in virginia that there was a person who passed away and their spouse received a death benefit from their life insurance policy, and then was able to use a portion of that death benefit that they received to provide a generous contribution to the church, which was then able to use that to expand some building projects and expand our campus ministry into multiple locations. And what's really interesting about that is that if you think about life insurance, there's just so many uses of it. It's it is like a Swiss Army knife. There are so many different pieces of how it can be used. And and separate from using it within the organization, individual people, myself, you, Bruce, anybody that we talk to can have a portion of your own life insurance that is designated to the philanthropy or the church or the organization or the nonprofit or the ministry that you decide that you want to have a part of your legacy go to. And so that's something that anyone can do who has a desire to contribute to the greater mission um, of your church or ministry or organization. So just a side note that I wanted to mention there. Um, Bruce, when would we say that there's, there's kind of pros and cons to this? We discussed a little bit yesterday as we were thinking and preparing for this topic. What would you say are some of the positives that somebody gets by using infinite banking more at an organizational level within a 501c3 or a ministry or nonprofit or church?
0: Well, I think the, I think the positive things are, first of all, if, if people can, can uh, come together, they're actually going to uh, be an organization that thinks create, creatively. Uh, so that, and they're not only just looking at it from their lifetime, but they're looking at it to sustain it well past their lifetime. And you know, just having a store of cash that's more efficient. Um, yeah, obviously a five hundred one mm-hmm. c three uh, the the tax benefits are not important <laughs> of mm-hmm. the life insurance, but it's about the leveraged up death benefit. It's about not having to turn to somewhere else for the financing. So those are really the creativity, the 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 uh increased cash flow um from not turning someplace else for financing. And then ultimately, just like the death benefit may not get may be leveraged up, but it also is an insurance of of messing things up. And that's what the wealthy have, have done for years and years and years. So, you know, they they say, okay, we're gonna allow this, we're gonna allow this foundation to actually Help out our family members, and our, we expect our family members to pay back these loans. But if their endeavor doesn't work, then the the death benefit that that particular foundation has taken out of that family member will pay the the loan back for them. The same thing could happen for a church or private entity. So um, it's kind of protection against something going poorly. And I guess then conversely. You said, "What are the what are the cons of this?" Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, the biggest con, biggest con we always ran into is all these all these um, private organizations, private foundations, private five hundred one c threes are running on such of a razor thin budget that they can't give up the lack of liquidity, even though they even even if it's only ten (laughs) percent. It's it's a it's amazing how razor thin they're working on, it. and that, and that is a stress level that is very very high. And then that's why you get the turnover all the time from the leadership at the top, mm-hmm. and they're always like, oh, you know, they're stressed out, so they go somewhere else. They may even go to another five hundred one c three and start over fresh, because that five hundred one c three lost their leadership, and it's and it just keeps uh, going over and over and over. So. That would be hey. the one of the big cons of, of that.
1: Yeah, actually, two really, really interesting thoughts. And one, I'll just kind of uh, seed this idea. We're about to have Chris Putnam-Walkerly on the show, and she's written a book called Delusional Altruism. Um, she Her interview is coming up in a couple of weeks. But what's really interesting is she talks about if you're the donor or the philanthropist looking for a great way to deploy or or give your cash so that it's put to the best use, she kind of destroys this myth that nonprofits should be razor thin and talks about how they should be profitable and how you should pay for good infrastructure. And you should pay your leadership appropriately so that you can, as you're talking about, Bruce, have this long-term continuation of the mission that you set out to do in the first place. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation because I think it really um, interfaces nicely with the conversation we're having right now today. And I would just say this, just because you're nonprofit doesn't mean you should not be financially responsible and that you shouldn't be profitable. So that uh, I'm not the authority to probably be able to say that. I don't have a lot of knowledge of the inner working of nonprofits. But what's really interesting is that just because you are not for profit organization, you still can be financially um, in a really good place and have the long-term stability to run your organization as long as possible. Now, the other piece was that You mentioned briefly the idea of being able to finance differently. And just for anyone who might potentially be coming to this conversation without a knowledge of infinite banking, I just want to give you a very quick idea of what this concept is and what that would actually mean. So we're talking about using a specially designed whole life insurance policy, which an organization can put in place on somebody that they have insurable interest on. This could be a leader or a key person or an executive in the organization. And so they can, the the business or the ministry, the nonprofit itself can put the life insurance in place on that person's life. And then they can have the beneficiary be the organization. What's really interesting about that is that whoever the policy owner is, they have the ability then to access the cash value, which is something that is the accessible portion of the death benefit. So if you have a death benefit of a million or 3 million, let's just say the cash value available to you is a portion of that 3 million that you can access and use today with policy loans. There's multiple ways to access the cash value, but the most effective way is to borrow against the cash value and then use those dollars and put them to work somewhere else, which means you can have an outstanding policy loan against your cash value. Your cash value continues to grow and to work for you. The policy stays in force. And if you don't pay back the loan, you have the ability for the death benefit to cover that for you. The great thing is that you have a lot of freedom and flexibility to pay back your loan whenever and however you choose. It's not on a set repayment schedule like most bank financing, and you don't have to qualify to get that loan either. It is automatically a privilege and a right of ownership. When you own the policy, you have access to borrow against the cash value. So I just wanted to make sure that for somebody who's new to the whole infinite banking idea, it is very interesting to note that you can use life insurance for nonprofits. Bruce, is there anything else you want to share before um, we have a great comment by Barb Stackhouse on the show?
0: Well, I think um, even though this is difficult, I do believe that it, if people can think creative, uh, creatively, it, it's not impossible. Um, if I would encourage a person not to try to exp- explain this to their leadership, but to simply have them reach out to to us or somebody else that is an infinite banking pra- practitioner, because it's, this is what I found. You know, I mentioned this early in the podcast is, you know, people thought it was a great idea at the local level. Then they try to go explain it to the, the more corporate level and it just dies mm-hmm. um, because they're, because they, they can't do it. They're not professionals. So that that's, that's what I would say to uh, try to, uh, to give as much value to people that think that this is good ideas. Just, just don't try to do too much with the explanation.
1: That's excellent. Well, we have um, some great comments here. So Barb Stackhouse says profit first has a modified version for nonprofit organizations. Love your comments, Rachel. So Barb, wherever you jumped in the conversation, thank you for joining us today. Um, Barb Stackhouse is an author of profit first for dentists. So she specifically works in the dental space using the Mike McCallowitz model of profit first and profitability, which she's saying that there is a modified version for nonprofit organizations, which goes into my gut instinct that says just because you're nonprofit doesn't mean you can't be profitable. So um, Barb, thank you so much for validating that concept that I was uh, second guessing as it was coming out of my mouth, but I know it's possible. And I'm just, I'm um, very thankful.
0: Rachel, I, um, I'm not an expert on all for-profit what, I, what people would think are for-profit nonprofits? I know that sounds weird, but so like one of the, one of the greatest increase, I also have, we have an office in a home in Phoenix, and one of the exploding universities in the nation is called Grand Canyon University in mm. Phoenix. And it's a Christian school and it's for-profit.
1: I remember and, you sharing
0: this. Yeah, and for-profit, and I would encourage all our listeners to look up Grand Canyon University. They're doing great things. And they're also uh, teaching a lot of economic lessons because because they are for profit. Um, you know, they look at things differently, like efficiencies, <laughs> uh, and the the value you get for the tuition, the amount of tuition is unbelievable at this place, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Where you hear people from all over the nation talking about that. So, yes, if you can think uh, like the efficiencies of a for profit. In a nonprofit organization, then I think that would be uh, uh, the best thing for the nonprofit organization.
1: That's excellent. And so let's just go ahead. I'm going to give a plug over to Profit First. If you are a nonprofit, a ministry, a church, a charitable organization, um, I would encourage you to check out Profit First as well. Um, Now Antoinetta Silicato, I'm not sure if you know her personally, I I don't, but thank you Antoinetta for joining us on the show. She says, excellent. So thank you so much for your comments today. And we're actually just live on Facebook only. And usually we um, don't see many comments specifically on Facebook. Usually those aren't on YouTube, but we're saving our YouTube live for our next conversation in about 20 minutes with Rabbi Daniel Lapin. And so if you are joining us here on Facebook, you might be interested in joining us again in a few moments for that conversation. Bruce, anything else you want to share on the church financing that um, you'd like to wrap up with today?
0: No, I just just would uh, encourage people to continue to think creatively in their lives, whether it is... Well, with financing, whether it is other things in their financial lives, whether it's with their mindset, whether it's with their family values, whatever it is, but just don't get stuck in a rut. Uh, you can change your life. You can change your financing. You can change your mindset.
1: Bruce, that is awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And yes, I think sometimes we Myself included, I'm just going to say this. I think we can get so comfortable in our comfort zone and say, well, this is the range or the boundary or the the stopping point to everything that I've known up to this point. And everything beyond that is feels scary because it's this big unknown. But as we approach that edge of our comfort zone, that's where we really are able to flow and thrive and be in our zone of genius and do the work that we're called to do. It requires that risk of stepping out of our comfort zone. So that might be um, a a piece of what you need to think about creative financing today. So, thank you, Bruce. That was awesome. All right. So, if you are listening today and you say, Hey, I'd like to know a bit more about infinite banking, we have resources for you. You can go on over to themoneyadvantage.com. We've got a free guide that explains the basics of what infinite banking is and how it works in your personal life that also applies to a ministry or organization, a church, a business, an entrepreneurship endeavor. And this is something that we really believe in the profoundness of how it gives you additional control in your financial life. We're all about control, though, and coordinating your entire financial life to make sure that you're accomplishing your objectives the most efficient way possible. You probably heard Bruce say efficient about six times, or maybe I'm just uh, programmed to listen for that word. So if you didn't hear, it's about efficiency and control. So we want to help you increase your cash flow, have efficiency and control, and really accomplish your financial goals faster and more strategically. If you're interested in that conversation, come on over and join our advisors for a personal conversation where we can look at your finances and help you understand your money better and be able to enjoy it more. So you can do that at themoneyadvantage.com as well. Thanks so much for joining us for the conversation today. In closing, remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love.